0: What's up, y'all? It's Jacoby, and this is CityCast Chicago. I know we ain't usually in your feed on the weekends, but we're doing a little pause swap with the homies over at Block Club Chicago in their weekly show, It's All Good. Host John Hansen is sitting down with Block Club reporter Mac Lederman to talk about Jim Graziano and his family's generations-old wholesale business. You probably know him for selling sandwiches, beef kits, giardiniera, and designer T-shirts. Take a listen and then subscribe to It's All Good wherever you get your podcast.
1: Hey there, this is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast, and I'm your host, John Hansen. Let's jump right into it. No time for small talk. Here's episode 37.
2: Listen, man, this is not an easy industry, and there's plenty of times you want to put your head just straight through a brick wall, but you got to all right, you know, I know I'm going to have to kind of really kind of strap it on and and break my ass right now. And um, it will get better and and things will get things will get figured out. That's going to get me down. I'm moving forward every day, no matter which direction this business is going.
1: For 84 years, J.P. Graziano has stood at 901 West Randolph in the West Loop, ever evolving from a grocery store to selling wholesale Italian products. So now, a sandwich spot with a beat on pop culture, the Gucci of Jardinera, perhaps. The one constant, okay, two, of the place are the Italian smells wafting in the air when you walk in, and the fact that the guy running the place is a Graziano. Mac Liederman wrote the story for Block Club Chicago. He's here now, and really, Mac, maybe the real constant is their adaptation to change.
0: Yeah, I mean, every generation of the Graziano family has done something in some shape or form to improve the family business, and Graziano has made it work for the 85-year-old lady who still comes in and um, wants her little bottle of Jardinera and also, you know, the young hip kids who want to see rappers like Freddie Gibbs.
1: I know it's fourth generation, and that's a lot of ground to cover, Mac, but... Where does the Graziano legacy begin here in the United States?
0: So it started with uh, Vincenzo Graziano, who immigrated to Chicago from Sicily in the early 1900s.
2: My great grandpa coming here at a very young age. You know the original story when my great grandpa first first came here, uh, he was a stowaway on a ship chasing a girl. Uh, she had a ticket going to New York, and uh, he was in love with her, and uh, he snuck onto the ship. And then a couple days later, he kind of popped out and um, saw her poured his heart out. And she's like, I'm on my way to New York. I'm engaged to get married. Heartbroken. He also ran into his uncle on the boat. He was coming to America to start his life. And uh, so he stayed in New York with him for a while.
0: Had no money into his name, worked odd jobs, and really is the kind of quintessential immigrant success story. You know, as that story goes, he would go to the markets and uh,
2: grab a couple lemons, throw them in his pocket, go around the corner and sell the lemons. And he saved up and bought a basket, saved up, bought a cart, saved up, bought a horse, saved up, bought a place,
0: all to take care of his family. He started just with a regular old grocery store selling um, milk and bread to neighbors. And then when the Great Depression hit, it forced him to kind of think fast on his feet and close the store. And he ended up working with his father-in-law at the Chicago Macaroni Company. And moving macaroni kinda just taught him the ins and outs of importing and distributing food um, from Italy to the US.
1: Humble beginnings into a primary wholesale operation that operated out of the West Loop for decades and decades, and generations, in fact. You've already heard a bit from Jim. He's 41 now. He runs the operation, which is blossoming. It's expanding seemingly by the day. Jim talks a lot about the duty to grow, not just for the sake of getting bigger or getting richer, but for the family.
2: Your inspiration, your fire, your motivation every single day is to take care of that next generation. And, um, and in turn, they get to learn those very valuable, important life lessons of hard work, dedication, appreciation for your customers.
1: So Graziano now isn't what it was when it started in 1937 at all, but we can get into the expansion and the wrappers and all the cool stuff they're doing now, the fashion and everything. But one of the big changes that Jim took on was taking JP Graziano's grocery from wholesales to sandwich maker. And that couldn't have been easy, Mac.
0: So um, when it was Jim's time to kind of step up, uh, he said he felt a magnetic pull to join in on the family business. He was a student at DePaul, but... The next wave of Graziano, the next generation needed a steward, and uh, Jim wanted to be that guy. And he looked at the family books and saw that the wholesale business was kind of struggling. So uh, he suggested to his dad, uh, hey, why don't we just sell sandwiches in the corner of the store? And that ended up being their greatest hit. Um, Wholesale kind of continued to waffle a little bit, but everyone likes to eat a sandwich.
1: Absolutely. And really, the changes at Graziano's mirrors the changing West Loop neighborhood, too.
0: Uh, And something he mentioned was it's if you walk down that street in Randolph, you'll see high rises and shiny buildings and Graziano said uh, there's a Nobu across the street now, but the storefront for Graziano's right there just stuck in the middle of it is just utterly completely timeless. And he's found a way to kind of sell not just food anymore, but the nostalgia of the place, the idea of immigrants building something that's so everlasting in this kind of new sprawling urban metropolis and. I think that just that story, selling that story has really attracted people and kept um, Graziano's in business.
1: You mentioned telling and selling that story, Mac, and really the walls and smells of Graziano's, they tell their own story, right? You walk in and you know you're walking into something with a lot of history.
2: Well, the spice barrels have always been, you know, kind of a cornerstone of our store. When you walk in those corners, immediately on your right is these big bulk spice barrels, And back in the day, there was probably three dozen of them. And it's what we used to get our products in. So like olives were sold in that. Capers were sold in that. And then we would keep them, wash them out, cut the top. And then you're pouring, you know, 50, 100 pounds. This is, I'm talking back in the day now, of oregano, basil, Italian seasoning, cayenne pepper, which when I was a kid, didn't realize what cayenne pepper does. And I'm shaking a big bag into a big barrel. And I cleared the store out for a couple hours because I was shaking cayenne pepper into the air. That's, that's, that's really, that's, that's the Graziano smell
0: that people talk about. It's all those, that mixture of spices that has really seeped into it. He told me customers stop in just in the summertime uh, to just take a whiff of the smell, even if they're not hungry, because it smells like, Chicago nostalgia. You get the spices, the olive oils, the cheeses, the meat. This place has just been standing for so long and has had so much food kind of rolling and out through it. The smells are just there to stay and they've all kind of meshed into one sort of beautiful thing.
1: Chatting with Jim, you really realize that he treats the place like a still very functioning, but living and breathing archive of their past.
0: Our
2: office, like where you go pay, has been around since day one from when the guys took it over back in the day. When I did our first remodel, like I had them hold on to the actual like front window where you make your transaction it kind of looks like like a bookie window (laughs) of sorts because to me like you know my great grandpa sat behind there and and collected money and that was his office and for all the changes that i've made the things that make the most difference and make us what we are are the things that i never touched
1: not only preserving stuff from generations past but more recent events where a much younger jim quite literally made his own dent in the business and the next
2: time you're at this store, you'll notice a pretty big
1: dent in the counter.
2: And I made that dent when I was 10 years old with a forklift.
1: Which is just part of the charm, Mac, not only celebrating the good smells and the spices, uh, but all the oopsies and problems along the way.
0: Uh, the place is something of kind of a living museum. Um, Everywhere you look is another piece of history. You just look up, you see the old school grocery signs from the 1920s. And in the middle of the store, there's a old ironclad safe uh, that actually still has the dents in it from when robbers in the 1940s uh, carved through the roof the building and tried to knock into the safe. But just like the family, that safe is indestructible.
1: Indestructible. That's a good word for their legacy. But one part of your story, Mac, that really touched me was talking about when Jim's father passed away in 2008. And while he, of course, had been working there practically his whole life and rising the ranks, taking on a leadership role, it wasn't until that morning that he took over. And while it wasn't anything like any other day, of course, it couldn't be for Jim when it comes to business. It had to be.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it's a Tuesday, man. It's, uh, we're open on Tuesdays. And it's just... Um,
1: <sighs> Obviously, it's still tough for Jim to talk about, Mac. But in that sigh that we heard, I think you can understand the pain of losing someone so close to you. But also at the same time... He understood what his job was—not just his job for him, but for his family, for their legacy, and all the employees too that count on him.
0: He had to put himself together and he had to get back to work. Be something his father always told him is: you have to go into work every single day, and there were things to do. The truck needed to be unloaded, the orders needed to be taken. So uh, Jim um, gathered himself, jolted back to work.
2: You know, some people read that and kind of look at it sideways, but it's um, this is what runs your life. This is how. I feed my kids. This is how I was fed. This is my father was fed. My grandfather was fed. You have that ultimate responsibility. And um, even on the worst day of your life, sometimes you just got to like, um, you know, man up a little bit and um, do what you have to do. Came down to work and filled the orders and loaded the truck. And I talked to, you know, our very close friends, which was all the neighbors around here. Cause they know, like, you know, when the locks don't come off the door back in the day at seven o'clock, something's not right. So they knew and they were all coming in and, um, sorry, just, um, and they all looked out for me for a long time. And, um, still today, you know, John from N and talked to on a very regular basis. They used to be right across the street from us and George from Columbus and Jimmy Andrews from down the block of the paper company and, uh, George and Jimmy that used to own quality meats. And, you know, that was, um, they supported you through no matter what. And they, they looked out for me a lot, you know, cause I was a young kid still. And, um, and they, and they really took care of me and they still do today. But it was just like, listen, man, this is what I have to do. This is what my life is dedicated to. It really tests you on who you are. And, um, I'm always ready to step up to the challenge, no matter how hard or difficult or emotional it may be. These things still need to get done. This thing needs to roll along.
1: An interesting part of the story is that on the day that his dad
0: died, he ended up meeting someone who would become an important part of Graziano's today. So he started um, unloading a truck and he noticed a guy named Oscar Sanchez just walking down Randolph Street. And Oscar went up to Jim and asked, He said, do you need help? (laughs) And it didn't dawn on me like, yeah. Holy cow. I needed more help than I ever
2: needed at that point. I said, pick up that case, put it on the truck. And, uh, 13 years later, he's the man that, uh, you know, makes the sandwiches here. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just part of it. And I just, I take this, I take this responsibility responsibility very seriously. And, uh, no matter what goes on, man, you have to, this isn't more important than your family, but it's, it's what lets your family be provided for. So this place has to keep going and, um, I get it. And, uh, you know, that's why when you have a business, you have to dedicate your life to it.
1: Okay. So Jim has transformed Graziano's from a wholesaler to a sandwich shop, but now this 84 year old place seems like a hip hangout spot that any self-respecting Instagram or Snapchat star or whatever in their twenties would want to hang out. How does that happen?
0: Jim noticed that, uh, this dude who was just dressed so nicely, super sharp, um, Joe Freshgoods, uh, who's a famous uh, fashion designer in Chicago, uh, just walked into his store for a sandwich like everyone else does. And Jim looked him up, and his eyes popped. Noticed he had a huge following, so he reached out and he sent him four jars of peppers. And uh, Joe really liked that, so he sent them back a pair of his New Balance sneakers and. Friendship this blossomed, and they ended up working together to host a midnight pop-up last summer um, after Lollapalooza for Joe's friend, Freddie Gibbs, and they made some specialty t-shirts. They passed out sandwiches, and there was a line all the way down the block, and all the young kids got to experience Graziano's for themselves.
1: That's awesome. You think about the changes that any business has to go through to be open and successful for four generations, 84 years, and when you think about that, you really can't help to think what the founder, Jim's great-grandfather, would say if he saw what was happening now, Mac?
0: I went into this asking, you know, what would his great-grandfather think about rappers and fashion designers and big-time parties happening at his store? Like, there's no way he could like this, right? But Jim kind of broke it down in such a great way where each part of his story goes back to these essential ideals of his family. Um, Saying things like, if people don't walk in that door, we don't put shoes on our feet, so... He had to find new ways to make the business work for a new generation. And it goes back to that ideal and just summers of busting ass at the store is kind of how he's been able to uh, rejuvenate it with these, all these new products and cultural moments. And, you know, it works, but it all goes back to that same essential hustle.
2: I always say, man, this thing goes up, down, left, right. The only direction that matters in this business is forward because it's going to be nuts. I've experienced it all. It's nuts when there's no business and you're pulling your hair out. It's nuts when you're crazy busy. It's, so it's going to be crazy no matter what. So you might as well take the, learn how to balance the craziness of being a really big, busy place. But no matter what, man, and um, I have that long-term marathon view on this, you can't go up and down with the business.
1: At the start of the new year, they actually opened up a warehouse in Norwich. They fulfill orders with a new sister company called Taste Real Chicago. They ship bottles of J.P. Graziano's most famous condiment, of course, Jarnera, to home kitchens around the country. They got other stuff there, too. It's just another adaptation from Jim.
2: And it's uh, November 2019 is when it officially opened. And now we're like doing our own warehousing, our own online fulfillment and everything like that. My wife is the one who kind of like really heads up the online fulfillment portion of it and uh, has really dedicated herself to that. She's been my absolute rock through my entire climb of this business.
1: Which shouldn't be any surprise. Family and business as intertwined as ever at Graziano's. His sister Deanna also works there too. The family, that place, they have a real energy, Mac.
0: That spirit is infectious. It hangs over the wall. It's in the smells. It's in the people that have been coming to the store for over four decades. And when you have that, just uh, those ideals and that hustle and that sense of ingenuity, um, you inherit those things, and it allows you know things to live on.
1: I wanted to mention, Mac, that you had another story about Fast Track, which was a legendary hot dog spot right near the L on Lake Street. In fact, it's just down the street from Graziano's, and they shut down uh, recently. The owner's retiring, and the place is turning into shocker in the West Loop, a big apartment building.
0: Yeah, something the owner, uh, Eddie Tefka, told me is that you can't save any every building, especially um, in an area... Uh, like the West Loop now, where um, there's a huge residential boom. A lot of people moving to Chicago, wanting to live in tall, shiny buildings. And when that happens, uh, we lose some of our iconic restaurants.
1: And uh, what was Fast Track known for?
0: It's right by the Chicago L uh, over there. And it has a a model train uh, set that whizzes over the top of the shop. And Eddie actually built it himself. He welded it in pieces in his basement and then brought it up over the shop. And he told me that... uh, in over uh, 31 years he's been there um he's never had to fix it replace it anything it's still the original it's still hanging on
1: he's kind of the neighborhood jack of all trades yeah
0: he's someone he told me he just always knows how to fill the gaps this uh straight up entrepreneur he plowed snow out of commercial lots he filled up gas tank for fulton street and randolph street market vehicles that someone like graziano was filling up with food um and he fixed up downtown tv trucks he owned a garage um that is he inherited from his father and he told me he just always found the need in the neighborhood and quote unquote the people were hungry so what he did was he found a place to feed the people
1: yeah it's too bad that we're losing one i, I know a lot of people feel like there's enough high rises especially in in the west loop i imagine he feels for you know his workers too
0: uh yeah i mean his workers have been there almost as long as he has and um one of his longest chefs, Cleo, um, told me, uh, he almost broke down emotionally when I sat down talking to him about um, all the beautiful customers that he won't be able to just see on a daily basis. And I asked him why he was gonna miss this place. And there's this really powerful moment where he just looked around the store and he told me, his name is Jim, his name is Gene, his name is George. He works for CTA, he works across the street. He's in the movie business. He didn't even have to say anything besides, I know all these customers' names. I know what they do. I know who their families are, and I know what they like to eat for lunch.
1: Oh, These two stories back to back kind of remind you just how tough it is to be a small business owner, especially in the food business, uh, especially with COVID still, you know, obviously on our radar. And uh, I guess, Mac, my lasting message to people is if you like a neighborhood spot, and you love it and it's like part of your, you know, who you are and what you make sure you go visit it and make sure you still order from there and you tell your friends about it. We have to all kind of rally ourselves to, to visit these spots to make sure that they survive.
0: Yeah. The restaurant business is hard as shit. (laughs) At the end of the day, um, my dad was in the restaurant business and something he used to always say is that the profit margins are in the soda. After you pay your workers, you cover your food costs, you pay your rent. Uh, and right now we see just throughout the city and the pandemic is really aggravating. This is food costs are skyrocketing. Sales for uh, at restaurants are plummeting. And in these areas like the West Loop, the property is getting more valuable for residential redevelopment. And that's causing restaurants to um, call it a day. And I think when the city loses its iconic restaurants, it loses a piece of its culture. It loses some of its soul.
1: Great job on these stories. Thanks for always joining us, my friend. All right, my man. Hopefully that works for you. It does work for me, Mac, and it works for our listeners, too. Hey, I don't want to wrap up with the sad news about Fast Track. Let's go to the Good News Hotline for some good news.
0: Hi, this is Chris Lynn Flanagan,
1: Marketing and Community Relations Manager with Roseland Community Hospital. Throughout February and beyond, we are bringing our mobile dental clinic to the community. Operable for almost five years, the Mobile Dental Clinic has seen over 10,000 patients in underserved community. Thanks to our p- partnership with the Washington Square Foundation. We are a full-service mobile dental clinic. To learn more about the program, you can call us at 773 773- Or you may reach us via email at dentalprogram at roselandhospital.org. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. And you can add your good news by calling the good news hotline 312-772-5756. Just say your name and what your good news is. Also, any nonprofit or small business shout outs are welcome too. Well, that's going to do it for episode 37. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review the podcast. And for all these stories, go to blockclubchicago.org. We'll drop another episode on you soon. Until next time, I'm John Hanson. Thanks so much for listening.